Hi, folks. Uh, you're about to hear our conversation from earlier with a wonderful panel of powerful women and what has been a very difficult week. Um, and I just want to express solidarity with, with them. And more than that, that, that we, we aim to continue to c cover this topic uh, in the weeks and days, months to come. Uh, unfortunately, we do also need to pay the bills. So last week was one of the most downloads we've received since we bloody started this project across the Tortoise Shack. Um, but we aren't actually able to keep the project going unless a few of you put your hands in your pocket. It's not a lot of money we're asking for. It's one of those fancy co coffees. It's it's one of those. Um, it's 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 a decent pint, I suppose, nowadays. But if you could, I'm asking you sincerely and genuinely, if you could, if you have it, once a month, you just sign up. It's patreon.com forward slash tortoise shack. Uh, you'll get access to loads of other things. And actually, funny enough, you won't have to hear this um, this this little uh, pleading with you. So so if you if you don't want to hear me do it, and uh, and God knows I don't want to be doing it, please go over patreon.com forward slash tortoise shack. We'd really appreciate it. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the show. I think it was one of the best we've ever done. Good afternoon and welcome back to the Tortoise Shack Sunday special. Um, this is our rundown of the week, some of the stories that made the headlines and some of the stories that maybe should have made more headlines is, is one of the ways we look at this. Um, before I get started, uh, we didn't win the lotto last night, so unfortunately uh, we could deal with your support. If you're listening to this, maybe throw us a few quid on the old Patreon, it would really help. It's patreon.com forward slash Tortoise Shack. Also, um, this evening at 7.30, there is a online vigil for those who couldn't attend some of the vigils uh, for Ashley and Murphy um, that has been organized. I'll, the, I'll tweet out the link after this, but uh, we've handed over our um, the Tortoise Shacks facilities, the tech facilities for this to be run by a group of uh, wonderful women are putting it together. And uh, they've they've booted me out as, of, my, uh, of, of my login details and they're taking over for the evening. So uh, it'll be music, poetry and a few speakers and it'll be all online. So the link is there. Um, yeah, I'm glad to do it, to be honest with you. It's it. We do little enough as it is, these lads. Anyway, we, we have to get on with the show. Uh, we have a great packed lineup, and I'm joined by our my co-host from the Echo Chamber, Martin McMahon, uh, the Tortoise Shack royalty, um, Car Caroline West, uh, who's had a very busy week. Caroline, thanks for coming on this Sunday show. It's been it's been a few weeks since we've seen you, but well, <laughs> since I've seen you on here. But we're also joined by... Clan Project um, and the wonderful spokesperson and fighter for justice for the mother and baby homes, Claire McGettrick. Claire, thank you for coming on. And we have a regular um, contributor from the Dublin Enquirer, uh, Shamim Malakmian. Shamim, I'm going to come to you first, if you don't mind. You've written yet another story that shows, again, why there is such a problem in this country and we don't get annoyed enough about access inequality and and just basic treatment of of migrants and this one refers to organ people who need organ transplants do you want to just give the listeners a quick overview of the situation and we can maybe ask a few questions thanks mm. last year at the end of last year i was kind of told by uh, one of the my lawyer sources that organ transplants seem to be where the government kind of draws the line in terms of immigration status and if somebody needs it. Um, the issue seems to be kind of unclear what the issue is or what the policy is. But from what I understand, if you are on a stamp 
that's unstable and won't let you access um, social welfare, unemployment benefits or other benefits that the government can give you, then you're automatically have a problem accessing um, organ transplants. Uh, but what is interesting is lack of transparency around it because the Department of Health told me it's the HSC, the HSC said this is Department of Health, and then Department of Health at the end of the day said, as long as the HSC accepts you as ordinarily resident, you'd be able to access uh, organs if you need them. But the idea is that ordinarily resident seems to be not the only issue and it's more complicated than that. And the ordinarily resident at the HSC kind of has a definition for if you've been living here for, for a year, then you're an ordinary resident. But um, in practice, that's also an issue because every kind of person uh, has their own interpretation sometimes of who's an ordinary resident. Um, but the issue that the HSC and the Department of Health won't confirm or wouldn't tell me is that whether or not you can access social benefits does have an impact or not. And this seems to be the main issue. Like if you go back to my story, there was a man who had lung cancer and he was undocumented. And they told him the medical social worker there said the main issue is that if he gets the lung, he won't be able to access um, the social benefits that comes with it post-surgery kind of care, aftercare, you know. What's, what, um, what's required for him to get better? Um, and, yeah. and, and your article points out that uh, one of the, the solicitor uh, firms involved says there's five to 10 of these cases a year. Um, yeah. People waiting on, on organ transplant mm-hmm. and, and the barrier is effectively their nationality. And that just seems access to healthcare should never be basis on, on that basis. I mean, we can't discriminate. We shouldn't discriminate. I'm not saying we don't, but we do system, system, systematically. However, I just find... Again, like when you broke the story about the the miners going missing, no one really cared enough because it was it was it was migrants. We we just we don't we kind of shrug our shoulders a bit. But this is yet another systemic injustice. Can I ask what was was there any anybody you spoke to who said, you know, how we can how this can be changed? Because I know some of the solicitors involved are they're really good people trying to do their best. Yeah, yeah. Um, Stephen Kirvin, he's a great solicitor from KOD Lions, and he he thinks that the solution is to kind of have healthcare and immigration completely separated from each other. Because if you need a lung, if you need a heart, you should be able to access it regardless of what permission do you have or what kind of conditions they come with. Um, and the main problem was um, also um, it's good to mention the Department of Justice that says they, they have nothing to do with the issue. That's what they say. But bottom line is, if the Department of Justice gives you a humanitarian leave to remain, uh, you'd be able to access an organ. So obviously they have a role to play in there, but they completely kind of they say that they know they've no say in the issue. And that's the, the problem is lack of transparency. And I actually put an FYI request to get the policy document uh, for organ transplant from the Department of Health. And their FYI officer rang me and he said, they basically don't have anything besides what they gave me in the press statement, you know. This kind of reminds me, and I don't know if you remember, Tony, back when uh, Michael McDowell was talking about anchor babies and the the narrative around women arriving from abroad. uh, What was it they used to say? That they used to just fly in and go straight to hospital to have babies to to get citizens. This is the racist um, referendum that we had. 
yeah, yeah. It, it's the same kind of mindset that's behind that in that, you know, your main barrier is that you're uh, non-national. And it just mm. seems to be the same issue in a different guise. I think part of it is the idea of that a migrant shouldn't be the burden on, this, on the state. And it's a condition that if you come here, you shouldn't be a burden on the state. But if I get a long, a new long, I might need some aftercare that would inevitably have me kind of be some sort of a burden on the state and access social benefits. So I think it's, I suppose, it's the concept behind it, you know. Yeah. yeah. Shamim, I, again, we'll link to the story. I. I commend you for continuing to do this work. I wish people were paying more attention. I wish it was getting more um, traction. I, I, we continue to platform you on this podcast because we know that these stories matter. I just we, 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 The call to listeners is to actually share them. I mean, this is the sort of stuff that the injustice that, that this society inflicted on people for, for, for decades now. Um, we're doing it right now in because of uh, by dint of birth where people are born. Um, I am going to move us on though, um, because that's, that's clumsy, clumsy segue as as I as I always do. But I'm going to come to you, Claire, if that's okay. And people, if you're not familiar with Claire McGetrick, where have you been? Um, but uh, the, the the work that the work that she's done has been truly phenomenal over a number of years with a number of other phenomenal women. Um, but Claire, this week. We saw the state, I put it to you, trying to manage the narrative yet again when it comes to the mother and baby home, access to access to your own details, like this, what you your own your own dignity in effect of who you are, what took what took place in all and, and that situation. And it was announced as if this was the game changer. But I know reading from what you've said and wh- where you've commented that you don't feel that that's the game changer at all. Uh, absolutely, Tony. Um, and uh, and even actually, if I could start by correcting even another kind of narrative that has has kind of gone out there since two thousand and fourteen um, um, on this, it's it's now known as the mother and baby homes issue. Okay, and this is because of Chum. Yeah. Um, you know, and the com- like. Really, why the commission of investigation was set up in two thousand and fourteen was to make Tume go away because Tume was a huge issue. Um, those of us who had been involved in a long for a long time knew that Tume was just one institution in and not even only amongst lots of institutions, but one institution in an entire system. And the entire system is forced family separation, institutionalization of women and their children. And so um, I'm always reluctant to call it the mother and baby homes issue. It's forced family separation issue, um, because if we, call, if we focus only on mother and baby homes, we forget about the adoption system. And that's what this bill this week is, is, is about. The adoption system transcended class. It di- you, you didn't have to be in an institution. You could have been a nurse, a civil servant, um, a teacher, and your child um, could still be taken from you. You would have no choice but to give up your child. So, um, apologies to jump in with a with a. I, can I? Can, can I? I think that's okay. I'm gonna just just want to clarify for listeners as well. It was important that the Oak report made that very very apparent that this was a huge forced family separation issue. Yet the government then after that said, "Well, we did the Oak report and then didn't include that in the um, in the scheme for redress." Like it was the most crucial thing. So I just think that's. 
you know, you're, you're, I'm glad you corrected me. And I'm glad now that we're able to clarify for listeners that that was actually crucial in the actual Oak report that the government themselves said was going to be the way that they would take their learnings from. Absolutely. And unfortunately, the Oak report was was completely ignored, um, um, as we know. Now, this bill, um, the Birth Information and Tracing Bill to 2022, um, is being touted as a, a measure of redress. Um, and, um, you know, so the, the, the minister says, oh, well, everybody tells me they want their records. That's correct. We want our records. Um, and here, look what we've done. It's wonderful. Um, however, um, when you drill down into this bill, you realize very quickly that it is a discriminatory instrument. Um, so adopted people whose parents register a, pre- a preference not to have contact with them on the new contact preference register, those adopted people, before they can get their birth certificates, they would have to attend a mandatory information session And one of the express purposes of that information session is to explain the importance of respecting the parent's privacy. Now, that as it stands to me is very obvious why that's offensive, why that's um, completely unacceptable. Adopted people do not need any level of assistance in understanding how to respect other people's privacy. Um, Moreover, birth certificates are public documents. They have been for over 150 years. Every single citizen, including adopted people, by the way, can walk in to the GRO on Werber Street to the research room and get look at the indexes to the births, uh, deaths and, and marriages registers and get any, any certificate they, they please. And nobody asks them about, um, including adopted people, as I say, about respecting other people's privacy. Um, so there, so there's that, and 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 adopt. Sorry, I should also add, adopted people can already get their birth certificates using that very same method. If if you go to our website, adoption.ie forward slash records, pass it on to any adopted person you know. It will show you how to get your birth certificate by navigating the register of births for all births on your date of birth, and you just narrow it down with the information that you know from there. People have been doing this since the 1990s. And thankfully, the sun hasn't fallen out of the sky, um, funnily enough, um, because we've been doing this. Um, so that's the sort of the first aspect of the bill. Unfortunately, it's not the only one. Um, GDPR, I know a lot of people when they hear GDPR, they, their eyes glaze over. They... Oh, well, uh, well no, we, we cover it a lot here. So don't, don't <laughs> worry, you're, you're, you're preaching to the converted. Wonderful. <laughs> um, well, GDPR, you know, only only really new new on the scene um, where we get a whole bunch of new rights to our personal data. However, this bill, um, as it's currently drafted, will essentially eviscerate those rights because instead of leaving the definition of personal data well alone, well alone or, you know, just helping to spell that out um, a, a bit, the bill redefines information under various categories. So you've got early life information, care information, medical information. Some of those those categories have timeframes on them. So the result there is that you run the risk of data, personal data falling through the net. So, you know, um, what if it doesn't come under 
the government's prescribed category? Um, what if it was created after the time frame? For example, care information is only up until a person was legally adopted or um, in the case of illegal adoptions when they were just taken into their families. So, you know, what if a record was created after that time? You know, whatever happened to our personal data, full stop, you know. Well, um, Claire, I just want to point out again that under GDPR, which trumps this this new uh, report, by the way, EU law, you know, supersedes anything that our, our government are going to come up with, even though we're going to have to seems to be fight tooth and nail to get them to admit that. Um, but there's established case law that shows that uh, it means that you should have unfettered just the same way that, that I do as someone who, you know, was not an adopted person. That's th- those are the protections. But this seeking to redefine what privacy means, what what the, the de- definition of, you know, what what those informations are, th- that's a recategorization that surely it just adds insult to injury again. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, as we always say, we want the file, the whole file, and nothing but the file, you know. Um, I don't know what's so hard to understand uh, about that, you know. Um, and there's a very good reason why we say that, because it is the file itself, you know, save for, you know, my mother's personal records, for example, their, their personal medical records, they're, they're nothing to do with me. But every other document tells the story of how I came to be Claire McGettrick and how my identity was obliterated at six weeks old. So, you know, the entire file tells that story. Therefore, it is my personal data. What's worrying us about this uh, legislation, though, is, you know, that um, there are restrictions being introduced under law. And what will that do in terms of our GDPR rights? And we will be speaking to our legal advisors about that because, if a restriction is enshrined in law, I'm not sure where that leaves us. And that this, this has us really, really worried, to be very honest. So, you know, and, and it's 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 kind of easy to understand the information session part of it, and rightly so. But as I say, people kind of don't quite get GDPR sometimes, and it's very difficult to get across how serious this is. You know, it, it we really do need to sound the alarm, especially when you have, you know, high profile people welcoming the bill, you know, and the pressure on us to to accept it after decades and decades of waiting for this legislation to come in is absolutely huge. But, you know, we certainly haven't, you know, spent all this time campaigning for a substandard bill that treats us differently. Claire, is there is there a cynicism in this in that we know that that uh, the European rulings on GDPR, they have supremacy over Ireland, And that's we just know this. So is there a cynicism in this that what they're doing is just kicking it out beyond their term in government? Is it as cynical as that? Um, I, to be honest, I don't know, because the, 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 the bill is, is a monstrosity of a thing, the way they have drafted it. it you know, they've actually put work on themselves. To to I don't I just I cannot fathom it, you know, um the, the lengths that have been gone to 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 tie it up in knots and and so I, I, I don't know. I mean what I do know is that a lot of these files will contain evidence of illegality. Yes. Um, and you know, I, I I think that the minister does want to to deliver 
to kind of go back to the, your original question on it, I think the minister wants to be seen to, to, to say, well, I have delivered one of my 22 actions. Um, but, you know, like, really, do you really want to get it across the line? You know, well, it, that it's, much? <laughs> it, it does seem kind of cynical because we know that if this all ends up in a courtroom, European GDPR legislation is going to trump anything that Ireland tries to put into the mix. It's going to trump it. And we already know this. So all of this seems superfluous. All of this seems time-wasting. We're going to go back to the to, to the quote that uh, Noel Brown says for, frequently, and I, 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 I rob, delay, deny, and wait for me to die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just reminds me a lot of, you know, those comments during the week that were like, oh, we want to go back to the golden age in Ireland where women were safe. And it's like that completely ignores the reality of people like you, Claire, and the people that you work with, the women that you work with, that like there was no safe time. Like this is institutional violence that has been perpetuated then and is being continued to be perpetuated now, even after everything we knew, even after they had the, you know, the welcoming of the, the Magdalene's, the, the survived ones back to, you know, the, um, yeah. the Lord Mayor's house that time. And they're like, oh, this is great. We're going to do right by people. And yet you're still in this position having to fight and fight and fight. And it's only like the fact that we have people like you, which is great because you have the literacy and you have the skills and you have the education to, to, to be in this position. But a lot of people don't. And it's like, it's like they just hope that those people don't get access to justice. And it's only because people like you can, you know, articulate what's going on and actually have the, the energy to stand up for it. Like they would just hope that you all die off and they don't ever have to deal with it. Like that seems to be their actual official policy when it comes to this kind of thing. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I don't think I have energy. Um, just <laughs> I think they've sapped all my energy. Um, but uh, but absolutely. Yeah. I mean, um, and, you know, um, it, it's funny you should bring that up about, you know, about this this past week, because absolutely, I agree. I mean, one of the main reasons we do what we do, both in Justice for Magdalene's um, and Adoption Rights Alliance and the Clan Project, one of the main reasons we do what we do is because we see history repeating itself in various ways. And we can't stop history from repeating itself if we don't understand how it happened in the past. And how do we ha understand how it happened in the past? We, we need records. We need a history that adequately, res respectfully reflects what happened in 20th century Ireland. And, you know, so I do see a certain cynicism um, in terms of the apparatuses of the state, um, you know, and not not just the minister, um, where that that instinct to protect the state kicks in, you know. Well, we, um, Shamim opened with a story that showed us that we still have those those things. We we know that we saw last week um, the Taoiseach saying that it's you know it 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 worries him that more children are going to become homeless uh, over the next period. Um, and he said he feels powerless, yet we know the evidence of our own eyes said when they when they implemented the eviction ban that that came down. He's that, the tarnished day. He's not powerless. Uh, like, no, but, but I think I'm referred to the T-shock at the time, but I, I've heard it. From, I've, I've heard it from all of them. But we again and we then we see, you know, moves to start. To start ending direct provision, and yet some of the companies that are still involved are, are being involved in a phase down system whereby they'll still be able to profit from it. So there's there is a there is a cynicism, Claire, to all of this. I suppose if people though 
the report itself. I want to let's let's end this segment on on a high. The report itself fell apart because it was defeated in court in terms of the 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 aspects of it. You know, the, people were able to identify themselves. That the 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 judge said it wasn't. You now, the state in some sort of crazy situation but we welcome the judgment and the, the report is grand and of course it's not grand it's been it's been defeated in terms of its 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 viability where do you think that with this unfortunately it's just going to be another case of we have to break you you have to keep going at this and we need another situation whereby they receive a quarter of a million emails in a few days to say this can't stand because that's where that's where that's what really rattled them was when it became a public anger issue yeah, no, I, I, absolutely. I think, you know, I mean, I, I think the High Court settlement, um, it, 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 was a, it was a landmark moment and it's, and it's no accident that the state has been quite mute about it. Um, I think, you know, because it has implications for the redress scheme. Of course it does, you know, um, because the redress scheme is based on that flawed report. Um, uh, we now have um a, 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 a notice attached to that report um you know fr- from the high court um which the state accepts and which cannot be be challenged um but you're right that we can't you know there's 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 no way that we can rest on our laurels here um it's relentless it, it really is and you know as we often say i think that they're trying to kill us here because it just there's it's there are three bills i think due this this uh, doll sitting there's the birth information tracing bill there's the redress bill and the burials bill three monster pieces of legislation and we work on a voluntary basis you know um but we've no choice but to engage with these bills we've no choice but to sit down and go through them line by line and yes we will have to help people email again because that's w- that is unfortunately what it takes you know and we do need people's help to get behind us we are a movement now there's there's like what october 2020 taught us you know when they tried to seal um the 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 commission's archive and our personal data for 30 years is you know we crashed the doll servers on budget day mm. you know and um, it was a it was a it was a fabulous thing to do claire and it shows that the the people of ireland were fully behind you fully fully behind you and they've said enough is enough. Let's sort this out for once and for all. So the government's mood certainly doesn't match the public's mood on this. Certainly does not. Claire, thanks very much for coming on and talking to us and, and please stay with us. Caroline, we're going to move to you and I listened to you this week on Pat Kenny and as Tony said, you were a superstar. You, you absolutely were a superstar on Pat Kenny. I thought you laid out the issues very clearly. I thought you laid out the pathways to improving the situation very clearly. Would you mind doing that again for us? Yeah, um, well, I, th- I think the main bit is um, just the anger and frustration that's there that like, here we have another woman that has been murdered and this time it seems to have ignited something. But, you know, we have 244 other women that have also been murdered since 1996 obviously women have been murdered before that but just this frustration of 
you know, like, what does it take? Like, do we have to, you know, the people that were on that show where they're talking about their own sexual abuse and their own experience at the hands of men. And it's like, how many times do we need to share this trauma for people to even listen, you know, like, and, you know, since that, like I've had tweets that have gone viral and there are people underneath just going, this is just really stupid. And like, they're getting entertainment out of trolling women who are sharing their stuff. And somebody said they were grabbed by their arm um, you know, under one of my tweets and it was really scary. And someone said, oh, I hope your arm is okay. Has it healed yet? You know, did you have to chop it off or something? And you're just going, you're getting entertainment out of women sharing their trauma. Like, what is wrong with you that you're at that point? Like, where is your empathy chip just completely gone? So we do need to have like just so much work that needs to be done. This is a huge cultural issue. It's an institutional issue. It's a legal issue. It's a health issue. It's literally touches every single aspect in society. Um, and it's a massive education issue as well. Like we know from research that um, our children are in violent relationships, you know, our 12, 13, 14, 15 year olds are experiencing sexual harassment in school, in secondary school. Um they're having their nudes shared. You know, one of the recent guests on, on my podcast talked about how um, teenage boys were getting girls drunk and, and it's not only assaulting them, but then propping them up to take pictures of them to send to their friends. Like at what point in your brain does it go, this is fun? Like what point do you get to in your life, in your very, very young life that you think this is a laugh? Like what went wrong? you know, in your life for to bring you to that point. So I think there, there's a huge aspect here and I'm sick of the whole, like, not all men thing, mm. you know, because it is like the people who don't do the, the catcalling or don't do the sharing nudes, but they don't call out their friends for doing it. They'll sit there and they'll laugh about it. And maybe they feel bad and maybe they're like, oh, that shouldn't happen. But like, tough like the time for sitting there uncomfortable is past we're uncomfortable you know there's a women's aid stat the other day that was something like 83 percent of women have to alter their daily lives to escape violence and that's still not enough and we'll still be blamed for violence and i'm actually really really furious at one of the healy ray's comments i don't know which one he is they all blend into one big flat cap head for me um but he said that he was going to bring in legislation to bring in mace which really like completely misses the point completely because that belies a misunderstanding of how victims react in a crisis and how like are we going to get blamed if we fawn or if we freeze in order to survive you know like and someone had an excellent tweet that was like you can guarantee the first question from the guards then would be well did you use your pepper spray because we know that's going to be the case, you know, and it's like, oh, oh, sorry, when did I have time to get my brain together to fumble in my pockets for my pepper spray? And well, you should have had it in your hand. You know, we'll, it, we'll get blamed even more for the violence that is committed um, against us. And then he also had his comments of going, this unprovoked attack. And you might think that's a really innocent statement. And it's not because what that really implies that there are provoked, there are justified attacks, you know, that like when people provoke them. And it's like, we sh I, I should be able to provoke whoever I want, whenever I want, how I want. It doesn't justify me being murdered, you know? And, you know, we were kind of put into this binary of innocent victims and non-innocent victims. And we see this because there's a vigil for sex workers every December 17th at the doll. And it's barely ever like mentioned in the newspapers, even though they're all there. There, there are loads of journalists there and they decide not to run the pieces or they'll give it like, you know, a couple of inches or something like that. But it's sparsely attended. And, you know, there's numerous women, I think it's like double figures who have been murdered when they've been worked at, working as sex workers. And it's like, are they the bad kind of victims? 
do they not get the country shut down for them? Like, why are we separating people into good and bad victims, people who do the right thing? And this is why the language is really important. And I have issues with the hashtag of she was only going for a run. Like, we shouldn't need to justify where we are, what we're doing. And we should refocus that. Like, a better hashtag is he chose to murder her. Because we need to refocus that emphasis. This is nothing to do with Ashling and, and Belinda and all the people who've been murdered. This is to do with the people who chose to murder them. And that's where the focus needs to be. It's the exact same as why did she say when we mm. look at domestic violence? It's nothing to do with that. It's why did he choose to commit violence against her? And that's, I have an article coming out in the Indo tomorrow about that. So I won't run too yeah. much on. Well, I, I, just, it, I, but I did see one other important. hashtag, which is important. And it's, it's hashtag stop killing us. Um, yeah. And and I, I I put this to maybe Shamim and Claire in my comment. I noticed um, in the immediate aftermath, a lot of um, men went. This is an, this is the end. We need to do something now. Again, I refer to Carolyn. You're right in pointing out the right type of victim, and it's so so sad to say that when you consider the history of it. But there was within 24 hours, men who were asked to do a little bit of introspection took to took to social media and and said you know well and i i mean i was involved in one situation where we pointed out something that had gone on for a number of years with a senior academic um from from ucd and they turned around and they said well even though this was this, this here's all of these things where you were using all this gendered language gendered um criticism but no that was okay it was different because you know we had an ideological difference and and I actually got so fed up of hearing um, people scared, to, uh, particularly women, uh, felt they had to say, of course, not all men. Why do you have to say that? You shouldn't have to caveat anything with the beginning. You know, it's I hate that having to caveat. It's nonsense. I just think if if I'm too thin skinned to hear that I've that 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 things I've I've done or someone has done is problematic and need to learn, need to change, need to address. Well, then that's a me issue, not a you issue. And you shouldn't have to, to do that. Sorry, Shamim, I, I see you might want to come in. Yeah, like, in my opinion, like, why are you so keen to kind of clarify not all men at this moment of, you know, reckoning that everyone's talking about something? Why why do you need to kind of say that? What Why causes you to say, are you taking it personally? You know, what makes you take it so personally? Is it something triggering you you do kind of somehow relate to some sort of violence that's being mentioned that's that's how i view it um and i also just want to jump in and talk about um the fact that we don't really see that kind of um outpouring of grief when uh, women of color are being murdered you know and this is just unfortunately shows that to some our subconscious minds we don't really relate to a woman of color uh, you know, and when they murdered, they're kind of, kind of like, oh well, that's sad, but, but we don't really relate to their experience just because they're a person of color, you know. I think that was that's really important, especially if they're older, also as well. Like you know, the younger victims, oh, they have their life ahead ahead of you, and it's like, well, what about people who still had fifty odd years of life to go, or the fact that they just lived and were a human and they had a family and children and. Like we just quantify victims in in terms of of their Twitter ability, like to get a a good hashtag going or you know something like that. And I think it's just it's just really disgusting. And I think that's something that we all need to reflect on. On you know 
the outrage and stuff. And another point that's really, really sticking with me and looking at the newspapers today is um, people like Leo and, and stuff like that saying, oh, we're going to have new legislation in a few weeks. This is exactly what happened with the Discord server leaks, like the, the legislation to get um, image based abuse. Uh, brought forward was four years in the making like battles and battles and battles because they just didn't care they didn't view it as important enough because it was predominantly happening to women but then when a big incident happened they couldn't ignore it anymore and they rushed the, the legislation through like women's uh, refuges have been calling for ages for the appointment of a special junior minister for specifically for the issue of domestic and sexual violence and it's just being fobbed off. The, the refugee services are underfunded. Like we have to like crowdsource and like, you know, beg people for donations when the government has gone, oh, it's terrible that there's violence against women, but they won't fund it. They've cut funding to the rape crisis centers. And so now it's like, oh yeah, no, we'll have a very strict policy in a couple of weeks. Well, congratulations. Like here's that like massive round of applause. You've done well. We'll all vote for you again because you took it seriously. Like, no, they have structurally stripped the support systems that we have in place, you know? So it's like, we can't be giving them all these accolades for finally doing something. It's not okay. And it's not enough. And it's false. Like they don't care. They're only acting now because they look bad. If they had a care, they would have just done it. And that's the same with the mother and baby stuff as well. They're only doing stuff because they're getting called out on it. Otherwise, they would have done whatever they want. They would have sealed those records. And we all know it. They absolutely would have done it. They'd have direct provision still going as well if they could get away with it as well. It's because people are actually finally, you know, standing up for this. But like, don't give them congratulations for doing the bare minimum when they're forced into it. Claire, Claire. did you want to? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, like what I always say, and this might sound like a, a strange thing to say, but if I think that Bertie Ahern's apology in 1999 probably wouldn't have come as quickly if it was only little girls in industrial schools. And it was because the men stood up and said, what on earth did you do to me? You raped me, you abused me, you, you know, and rightly so, rightly so. Um, but... I think we're looking at the same thing here. And you're right. They're only doing something because they've been dragged, kicking and screaming to, to the table. And again, much like what Shamim said, I mean, if this was a traveler woman, if it was a sex worker that was murdered in Tullamore, I don't think you would have the same public outcry. And I mean nothing against Ashling when, when, when I say that. Um, but the other thing I wanted to add is that, you know, in terms of not all men, you're the dominant group, lads. You're the ones who have the privilege here. And the only thing that needs to happen for nothing to happen is for you to stay quiet. And, you know, you're the ones that have the power to actually help change this because <laughs> you see what happens when it's just us. We're not yeah. listening to, um, you know. So, yeah, get over yourselves um, and, um, you know, um, and, and recognize that privilege. Spot, spot on. And, and the language around the violence towards women is very problematic. The language that we see in the newspapers, if we see, and this does happen where a man has murdered his entire family and he's described as a pillar of the community, we see where a, either the victim or the perpetrator can be known to Gardi. And that's, that's a terrible phrase. And um, particularly when it's, when, as you said, Claire, if it's applied to sex workers, it's kind of, nah, don't worry about this. And if it's applied to a victim, it's like, ah, just a bad egg. 
but it's more systemic than that. And it needs to be tackled. And the language needs to be tackled more systemically than that. And some of the stuff I want to come in and just make a point on what, what Caroline said about them only acting now. Um, if you listen to this podcast, you know, we've spoken to Philip O'Connor for a number of years from Stockholm. He, uh, he, he, sent a submission in to the previous government and this government on the, the education system that they use for, for boys ex- exclusively um, in primary levels called Locker Room Talk in Sweden. He came over, he flew over, he, he, he presented to people who were invited. No one from the government attended. He went and sent it to the government themselves. No one from the government ever replied. And, you know, now I hear Again, I don't want to be so cynical, but you know, Helen McEntee is today talking about implementing these things, and you're going, "Well, you didn't even show up to the to the meeting when when someone flew here to 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 show you uh, how it works." So yeah, there is that. There is a huge, huge problem, and we will be covering it again. I, I know Vicky has some um, experts from the US and UK, I think, lined up to talk about it as well. But the call has to be. I know this is this there's three women here, but the call. You're right. The call is on men. It's on us, lads. It's uh, we all benefit from the the system. It's uh, I remember Lynn Ruan put me in my box once where um, she had just been elected to the Shannon, and I texted her and I said, "Did we, did we win?" And I used the the royal we, you know. And she said, "She said, sure, aren't you aren't you a straight white middle class man? You always win." Uh, <laughs> I your box, and, um, you know. So we do need to accept that the onus is on us to to not and particularly no more bystanders, no more and no more saying no more bystanders and thinking that's where it ends. It yeah. has to it has to go beyond that. Uh, I apologize to one of my friends online for not calling out the, the torrents of abuse that she's received for a number of years because you know you kind of think oh, I don't want to draw it on me. So what? Take it take it on the chin, lads, and get on with it. Tony, I I'm think, gonna... and can I come in on that though as well? Like what we're also seeing, like, yeah, it is good to call that stuff out, but like don't expect any cookies and, and brownie yeah. points for it. You know, like there was someone who posted a picture on Twitter of a candle lit for Ashlyn and they got like 2000 likes and it's like, well done. Like w- what else are you going to do? Like, and you don't need to do everything public, you know, and this is the thing. And it was really shocking that after Sarah Everard's murder in the UK, that, thousands of men said they were going to sign up to some particular course that was you know to educate them about violence and like barely any of them turned up so we don't need these emotional reactionary pieces right now just do the work like don't expect a round of applause for it like it's great that you're doing it and we are grateful that you're going to change your attitudes but just do it just like don't need to post about it you don't need to post that you're at a vigil you don't need to post pictures of of you know the the flowers that you laid just do the work and change what you can in your world without expecting any praise or anything like that for it just do it like i think yeah. that's a great point carlin and thank you so much you have been a real superstar on this all week and it is really brilliant to hear as you said about claire to hear somebody who has a clued in, uh, able to, able to verbalize all of this really well, so that it does get into the public domain. I am sorry that I have to move us on, but Tony, uh, uh, look, I the, don't think we're never going to move on from that. But I no, do think, no, I do think we. There's a couple of things I want to cover that that were really interesting. Anybody saw the climate act, the climate committee this week? Um, global experts, including a, a Nobel Prize winning um, environmentalist, uh, Professor Sweeney, saying that the government are not actually serious about climate action and they've backloaded all of their, their things to the end, which will affect, you know, beyond the next government to implement. It shows the lack of seriousness. And I mean, it was really stark 
that how bad we're, we they are doing and how bad they're trying to do. And um, I think that was an important thing to, to that didn't get enough coverage. Um, we know, Martin, you made the point to me before we came on air that the government are backing everything that, that, that on the on COVID. That they, they'd rather be lucky than good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I'm kind of. How do you put this? It's not just a cold, and that's for the Sunday Times in particular. It's not just a bloody cold. Please, please stop with this rhetoric. It's not. And um, there are an awful lot of people getting ill with COVID at the moment, and it might be milder for quite a few people, but for other people, it's not milder. And, uh, and Delta is still circulating. So when you say COVID is mild, you're also talking about Delta and Delta is not mild. It's not. It kills people. So put down the 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 rags, put down the rags. Don't even read this stuff. Don't even give it oxygen. And um, we need to take this seriously. It has disrupted our lives for the best part of two years. And um, the government is is gambling with everybody. And they may well be lucky this time, but they weren't lucky last Christmas. It cost 3,000 lives and they're doing the same gamble again. And I really do hope they're lucky and I hope they're lucky this time. But policy shouldn't be left to look. And the capability of our hospitals and of our healthcare workers should not be left to look. And that's the game we're playing at the moment. And it's a very stupid, dangerous game to play. Very stupid and dangerous. Just one one thing that we will be coming back to as well. It's going to come more and more on the agenda. It's obviously the cost of living. People are talking about it. Uh, the inflationary price. The pre- uh, whether it's lighting your home, uh, heating your home, paying your rent, pay, uh, paying for your your insurances if you if you're lucky enough to be able to afford them. All of those things are going in one direction currently, uh, and it's going to become more and more of an issue. Uh, the state are worried about it. I'd be we'll we'll be returning to it, but we'll return to it as we always do to the global uh, issue because next week is two things that are coming up is the fight inequality and the global alliance for tax justice are doing a new campaign we'll be partner with them again and then the week after is the 50 year anniversary of uh, bloody sunday and myself and and um, martin there have been invited up um to 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 go and we're we're hoping to interview some some of the speakers and and talk to some of the the the, the families as well. So yeah, um, we're 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 traveling to Derry. So if you so if you see us, say hello. Um, we'll, uh, I, I would just like to mention too that earthquake or that volcano in Tonga was just unbelievably ginormous, and I, I'm reading pieces about how it might uh, change the climate for a couple of months. There was that much ash uh, and and stuff thrown into the stratosphere but it was enormous and it's good to remember or it's it's wise to remember that nature can give us such a kick in the ass at any stage and we need to be able to deal with these things so i'm kind of very worried about tonga at the moment we don't really know how things are and i suppose last thing from me tony and we myself and tony discussed this uh, you know the decency of people and i think we forget this when you see the vigils that have gone on all over the country. Irish people are incredibly decent, incredibly decent people. They just need a forum that allows them to express how decent they are. And politics isn't it. Um, there are movements there. Um, as people came out and, and very clearly said they'd had enough of the mother and baby homes cover-ups, people are extremely decent in this country and our politics lets us down. And it lets us down badly. And we need better politicians who are more clued into the decency of Irish people. 
I, I just want to thank um, Shamim, Claire, and Caroline. Um, Claire, if people are interested uh, to uh, get get involved, where can they find you guys? And uh, like I, I know where to find you, but just in case that they've been living under a rock. Uh, so for um, adoption and related issues, you can go to adoption.ie or clanproject.org, that's C-L-A-N-N project.org. And for all things Magdalene, um, our jfmresearch.com uh, website. Uh, Shamim, uh, again, people, we opened with your story because people just don't pay enough attention when it becomes, it's, it's, a, it's a migrant story. Have you anything coming out and, and, and what's, the, what's the latest in the Dublin Enquirer? Yeah, I'm working on, a, on an article um, to kind of um, look at the Afghan admission scheme and is it is it enough or not? And they also I also have an environmental story coming up about um, a cable fluid leak into the Grand Canal. Yeah. Uh, you did. <laughs> this, this is with is uh, is Alejandro working on that as well? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> no. It's a small world. We, we 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 all we all bump into people who who overlap. And Caroline. Um, just if I could just say thank you for coming on today, but also for uh, continually um, been our been actually a friend for the last couple of years. I know this was a tough week for you, and I just want you to mind yourself as well because I know all the the, the women out there have found this difficult. That um, it's the onus is on is on us now, lads, to do the, to do the heavy lifting. But thank you, Caroline, and you have your own pod out tomorrow. I do. I'm speaking to um, an activist who works in the area of HIV. So it's really, really interesting to listen to his story and have the chats about that. And then I have an article coming out in the Indo about um, Ashling and, and the vigils and, and what we need. And then another article at some point in the examiner about paid domestic violence leave. So that'll be out at some point <laughs> whenever that's there so um yeah look i do appreciate it and i'm gonna go um to get some retail therapy i think after this so um yeah trying to buy framed frames it's just a nightmare for a new house but anyway it's a yeah. nice small things <laughs> thanks a lot guys listen um we, we'll leave it there really appreciate it uh, we will be continuing to come back to it but I, I, I think that was a really great conversation thanks a lot folks thanks so much thank you thanks for